Hi there, and welcome to the YM Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Shaw. Thanks so much for joining us today. Our vision is to educate and engage apostolic leaders just like you, so you can become more effective in youth ministry. One of the ways that you can help this show out, if it's a blessing to you in your life, your ministry, is by leaving us a review or a star rating in your favorite podcast app. But really, honestly, the most important thing you can do to support this show is simply by sharing this episode with a friend and fellow leader. And I know you're going to want to do that with today's episode because today is all about studying the Bible. And honestly, if we truly think about it, the most important thing that any of us do in youth and young adult ministry is share the Word of God with others from behind a pulpit in a youth service to a small group to a coffee shop Bible study to a Sunday morning Sunday school class sharing the Word of God and what God has given us through His Word is really the most important thing that we can do. And I can't think of anyone better to help us in our journey of understanding the Bible so we can share it with young people than Cullen Cressman. He is a UC prof, an Urshan College professor, and also a podcast host of his own. He's got a podcast called Breaking Theology, and it's basically a commentary podcast. He takes a book of the Bible and then breaks it down over a series of episodes so that we can have a better understanding. He's got a BA in Christian ministry from Urshan College, a master's of theological studies from Urshan Graduate School of Theology, and he's currently completing a PhD in biblical interpretation and theology from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. And he talks with us about how we can become more effective in studying the Bible so that we can take what we have learned and share it with our students and young adults. And of course, as always, we swap crazy youth ministry stories along the way and talk about our journey into the call of God and specifically to student ministry. I know you're going to love today's show, so let's jump right into our conversation with Cullen Cressman. Thank you. It is an honor to be on uh, this podcast, uh, and I hope that it blesses somebody. Uh, before I jump in, um, I feel like I should just let everybody know I am somewhat unorthodox, um, and, and I will explain that in a little bit, but unorthodox in just the way that I think. I'm always wanting to come at stuff from different angles, multiple angles. Uh, how can how can we... Uh, do better as Christians just in general. Uh, and I always try to tell people, you know, some people have this view that life happens to them. I'm more on the side that, you know, I happen to life. The, the Lord has a mission for all of us. The Lord is doing things. So we need to take control of what we're doing. Uh, and so with that said, I want to talk about uh, ways to study the Bible, things that you can do as, as a minister, things that are important specifically for youth ministry uh, just to, to add value to yourself. And so one of the ways that I like to think of this just as a general idea is, uh, we understand goal setting and we understand targets, uh, with simple things like sports or the gym. Uh, so somebody wants to, to work out, they want to get, uh, healthy or maybe, uh, they have a diagnosis from the doctor. And so they need to target a specific area. And so, the same way that you would set goals for yourself, one of the things that that is always uh, lacking whenever I talk to somebody and they, they say, hey, you know, I'm, I really want to go deeper in the Bible. I want to want to know more. Uh, I always ask them, I say, well, what's your what are your goals that you have right now? And, and 
you know, how is it working out? What are your habits that you have right now to try to uh, study the Bible more? Uh, or, you know, if it's, if it's in the conversation, I have to say, okay, well, when's the last time you read the Bible cover to cover? You know, what's, what's your, your, your personal habit right now? Go from there. And sadly, a lot of times we get so busy in, in doing things for God that we, we neglect just those basic principles of, I've got to keep putting fuel in the tank. I've got to keep doing the basic stuff. You know, we can be teaching on basic disciplines, basic things like studying the Bible, but we are lacking in that area because we're just so busy. So sometimes it, you just need to make a goal, a strategy. And I'll talk about it in a little bit, but that strategy cannot be one dimensional. It can't be a, a shallow or just surface level study of scripture because just like if you were going to the gym, you'll become lopsided. So if I went to the gym and I found one machine there and I was like, oh, hey, this looks like a fun machine. I'm just going to work on it forever. And I'm not going to you know, exercise on anything else. Uh, most likely whatever part of my body I'm working out on, you know, so say I'm, I'm just doing something to my biceps. Well, then I'm going to have massive biceps and it's not going to fit the rest of my body. I'm just going to look like a weirdo. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that you have goals that are balanced. And one of the ways to do that is to think, where am I lacking? So most people don't like to do this, especially if you're, you're trying to study for ministry. We don't like to think of our weaknesses, but that's the first place that you need to go is what is uh, the area that I'm lacking in? What can I do to strengthen those weak spots? I can't skip leg day, so to speak. You know, got to really find out what are the areas that I'm lacking and I got to target those. You got to make it attainable. And really, you just need a reference point. How much of the Bible are you reading right now? And uh, before I get too far into the analogy, you've got to just read the Bible. Uh, the more, you know, the more you read, uh, you're just going to continue to add value to yourself. And I'll talk in a little bit about some tips on going deeper and deeper, but you have to make a habit of reading the Bible, whether it be fast, slow, if it's a bread program, or if it's your own strategy, different things like that, you have to be consuming the Bible regularly. Uh, and it doesn't get boring. One of the things I love, you know, if you think of knowledge, uh, in, in a linear fashion. Okay. So sometimes we want to learn scripture and we say, okay, I'm going to learn, uh, you, you know, I need to know everything from a to Z. Well, the Bible, most of us have experiences. Most of us have different things in life that one part of scripture is, has impacted us more than another different things like that. It's not really linear. And so you think of, if you had all of scripture as a, as a line on a, on a, a map, you have a, a linear line, and you think, okay, well, what are my gaps? You know, I have all of these, these special passages, these things that are important to me, but I need to know all of scripture. So that would be a weakness area that you can find is, is what is the area, you know, I don't know much about lamentations, so I need to go study that. You know, I, I need to know all of scripture. And sadly, one of the things that uh, I, I've seen more and more, uh, I teach at Urshan College. And so one of the things I see more and more with college students is uh, a, a new trend, I guess you would say, is everything for Christians is based on the New Testament. And there's hardly any knowledge of the Old Testament. And that is uh, so sad because 
if you really want to go deeper in scripture, you know, we like the New Testament because it applies to us directly. But you're not going to understand all of the things that are going on in the New Testament if you completely remove it from the Old Testament. I had an Old Testament professor. Uh, I told him I was a New Testament uh, scholar, and he said, oh, so the appendix. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just love that joke, but it's so true. The Old Testament is the majority of Scripture, and that usually is, is somebody's weak area. But I want to, uh, I want to talk about a, a frame of mind, a way to think uh, of, of certain values and things that are important for Bible study. And then off of that, I will give some tips on, on how to, to go deeper in Bible study, specifically for teaching to youth people. So you're setting your goals. You're thinking, where are my weak spots? What are the things I need to do? You also need to be thinking about um, what, your, what your minimum effort is. And you need to be thinking about yourself as a role model. Okay? And what I mean by that is if you're wanting your youth to read the Bible in one year, that doesn't mean that you read the Bible in one year. It means that you have to at least read it twice in one year. If you're wanting to inspire somebody to go deeper in scripture, you need to be setting the bar higher than what you're requiring of them. If you're going to have your youth group uh, study, say you're going to do a study in one book of the Bible and you're going to do some lessons on it. Well, say you want your, your youth group to read that book of the Bible and they, you want to have them read it, you know, three times. Say you're going to do three lessons throughout, you know, three week series. You want them to read it each week while you are going through the series. Well, that means that you need to read it, you know, twice, three times more than them. You need to have your head wrapped around it because, so this is the part about uh, being a role model. Sometimes we, we elevate our weaknesses uh, to our detriment. Okay. So I'm, I'm not going against a uh, uh, idea of, of uh, testimonies or, or, uh, the Lord working and our suffering, those kinds of things. But sometimes people talk about, you know, like a kid asks a question and you say, well, I don't know. And, you know, it's a, it's a humble and honorable thing to say, you know, when you don't know, just say you don't know. And I do agree with that as just a statement that nobody should be prideful and make up an answer. If you don't know, then, you know, say you don't know. But that shouldn't be a comfort zone. And I think that's what it is sometimes is people are like, well, I can just tell them I don't know. You know, I, I can tell them I don't have the answer. But if you think of like a child and parent uh, relationship, uh, no two-year-old, no matter how much they fight, no matter how much they fuss, no two-year-old wants to realize that they're in charge. You know, that, <laughs> that is a horrible place to be in your mind is if you realize I'm two and I'm in control of this house. Okay. If you are wanting to be a role model to students in studying the Bible, you have to make it a, a goal of yours to be able to answer any question they could throw at you. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be answering, you know, what, you know, incredibly deep questions, things like that. You're still dealing with youth age. You know, most of the time they're just starting to, to study scripture. They're just on the surface level, things like that. So it's not an impossible task. But you should be so connected with scripture and so connected with them that whatever they throw at you, you're ready to answer. Okay? You have to be a role model because 
if they ask you, if they've asked you five questions and every time they ask you a question, you say, I don't know, then they don't feel like they have anywhere to go from there. They don't have somebody that's leading them. They don't have somebody that can help them uh, grow in their knowledge of scripture. They realize I'm the two-year-old that's in charge of the house. You have to set yourself up as a role model, which requires a lot of us. I'm not meaning that as a, as a passive statement that, oh, well, this is easy. Everybody should do it. But we have to have that value in our head. And so one of the things that I would say is as an important tip that a lot of people don't do uh, is you need to, to make a goal. I am going to study every book of the Bible, and I am going to have a quick answer for what the purpose of every book of the Bible is. Okay. This, this one strategy can help you uh, just across the board instead of simply saying, I don't know. So say you're, you're working on Leviticus, okay. And a student comes up to you and asks you a question about uh, leprosy. Uh, you know, what are, what's with these leprosy laws in the, in the book of Leviticus? And you don't know the specific verse, things like that. And you say, well, I don't know. But if you know what the purpose, the overall theology, the purpose of that individual book is, you can then equip them to study it out for themselves. Is if I, uh, if I know that Leviticus is about holiness and about the presence of God, then I can help them understand overall anything you study in Leviticus is going to filter through this lens. Okay, uh, You want to do that for every book of the Bible every single one of them. Think about who is the audience of this book? You know, who were the prophets writing to? What, what group, what kingdom were the prophets writing to? Uh, what, what is this history about? What is, you know, why is Matthew's gospel different from Mark's gospel? What is the, the purpose, the, the, the goal of each individual book? Let them be so, uh, so known to you, so studied that, if anybody asks you a question on it, you may not know the specific verse, but you can say, I know what Matthew is about. I know what, you know, such and such book of the Bible is about. That can take you a whole year to get down. You know, that that's enough homework right there. Take, you know, critical study. I am going to make it my goal that I can summarize the purpose of every book of the Bible so that if any student asks me about it, I can tell them off the top of my head and I'm not dependent on uh, going back to commentaries, things like that. And that, that, uh, just that task, if you can get that down, you will actually be welcoming a student. Instead of just saying, I don't know, you'll be welcoming a student to study with you is, you know, I don't know about that specific verse, but here's the purpose of Leviticus. And then you start a conversation where the two of you, you can say, I'm curious about that verse. Let's study it out. Let's, let's go check this out. That kind of thing. You, you, uh, show them, I do know more than you. I do know scripture enough to inform you, to help you grow in it. And they're not the two-year-old anymore. And so uh, I say that combined with students as a college professor, I can tell you students, humans, I, you know, forget about students, humans love to learn. Okay. If you start a habit of studying scripture, it will become addictive. Okay, sometimes we're intimidated by, by scripture for various reasons, things like that. But if you find a way, try different things. Uh, look at the Bible differently than you ever have before. Try different strategies. Read different translations. Uh, read in different ways. Um, 
I love audiobooks. And so one of the things that I tried uh, was I wanted to see how fast I could listen to the Bible. Uh, that was uh, just a goal of mine. I did it in a week. It was the gift of COVID. <laughs> so uh, when it first, I've always wanted to do it. But when it first happened, I told my wife, I was like, I'll never get this chance again. I don't have anywhere to be for a week. And so I'm just going to sit down and I listen to the entire Bible in a week. Now, did I get everything? You know, did, did I have every single piece? No. But I, it was a different experience than I had ever had before. And when you start learning, it becomes addictive. You realize that you're growing. You realize that depth is being cultivated. And you need to cherish that depth. And you need to always be working to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And the deeper you go, the more you will be able to help those behind you. Is They also love to learn. They also will want to grow and get deeper. So you need to keep moving ahead of them. Keep digging in. Find what is addictive to you. Find what strategy in scripture is, is going to help you study. And I can give uh, more practical tips uh, if you would like, but that's really my, my frame of mind is try different things. Uh, it's always worked. I'm in a PhD program in biblical studies and uh, each class, any kind of assignment, things that I have on scripture, I learn more about scripture every year. There's, there's constantly uh, more and more to study, more and more to learn. And so if you can just get in that, that vein, if you can step into the river and, and learn how to just keep on studying, it's going to become addictive. And you need that because you need to be a role model to students. You need to be ahead of them. You need to be showing them the way, giving them uh, those that you need to be demonstrating how to set goals and things in scripture. So that's my, my frame of mind. And I'll, I'll leave it there for anything you want to ask. Well, thank you so much. I think this is such an important topic. You know, sometimes we can be um, so strategic uh, when it comes to, you know, building youth ministry and even discussing growing youth ministry, uh, you know, whether we're talking, and these are all important subjects, whether we're talking about our social media presence or, you know, connecting with guests, um, we can be very pragmatic and then, Forget that the main thing we're trying to do all these pragmatic leadership concepts, you know, yeah. and, and techniques for is to get young people into an environment where they can connect with Jesus. Yeah. And you cannot connect with Jesus without connecting to the word of God. That is fundamental to the apostolic understanding. That's what separates us from, frankly, a lot of other spirit-filled movements that are in the world where it's just about an emotional experience, but for the apostolic, it's about the spirit and the word coming together in this in this holistic disciple making environment known as youth ministry. And so I think that's really, really good. I've got a bunch of questions that that I have written down that I want to go through with you where we can kind of drill down on this idea yeah. uh, a little bit more. But first, I want to know a little bit more about you. I want our audience to get a chance to get to know you. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of your journey into, into ministry. Yeah. So I am married to an incredible woman, Lindsay, and uh, we met our freshman year at Gateway College of Evangelism. Uh, that would have, uh, it was 2011, I think. Yeah. 2011. Um, and, uh, we, are expecting our first child. Uh, Congratulations. Due, That's amazing. Uh, due March 5th. Uh, so 
that's uh, the most important things in my life uh, as far as, you know, the, the joys of my life. Uh, but we live in Winsville, Missouri, uh, just outside of St. Louis, and I am a full-time professor at Hershing College. And so I uh, went to Gateway and it transitioned to Urshan. So I graduated from Urshan and then I went on to do my uh, master's at UGST. And I was blessed to be a personal assistant and a teacher's assistant to Brother David Norris for three years uh, while I was there. And when I graduated, they offered me the uh, chance to teach. And so I did that. And uh, now I am in my PhD program. I'm uh, about halfway through, I guess you could say, uh, getting ready for, you know, dissertation writing. So uh, hopefully I'll write that fast. Uh, my wife hopes that I'll write that fast. Uh, I'm wanting just because I'm having a kid, I want to make sure that I write it fast. But those are our big things. We both grew up in pastor's homes uh, and love ministry, both love pastoring. We want to start a church one day. Uh, that's one of our, our big dreams. So. That's kind of a the full picture for us. How how long is your PhD program? Uh, it really just depends on uh, each individual student how fast they go. I have coursework that you have to do up front, and then I have exams that you have to do on all of your coursework. Uh, they call them comprehensive exams. After you pass your exams, then you're allowed to write your uh, dissertation. So it's got to be approved. Then you have to you know go through a writing process, all of that. So. A, a big part of it's going to depend on how fast you write. Uh, I wrote my master's thesis in four months. And uh, that was about 70 pages. Uh, but my dissertation is going to have to be somewhere around 250 to 300. So uh, considerably longer. So that's why I would just see how, research, how motivated I am. Your research is going to be a whole lot, a whole lot yeah. longer. Um, that's, that's for sure. Now, um, you mentioned growing up in both you and your wife grow, growing up in, in, in pastor's homes. Um, have, have, have you ever been involved in youth ministry or young adult ministry or anything, anything to that effect? Uh, yes. So I, uh, my dad started a daughter work when I was 12. So I was right on the bubble. You know, I, I had gone to my first youth Congress when I turned 12 and then, uh, my dad started the church. So I had just a small taste of a youth group. Uh, and then we started a church and uh, really me and my sisters were the youth group. But I grew up we, the same way. Yeah, I, so exact same. You, you know, you, you work with what you have, but we had friends, we invited friends, you know, every time a new family came to church, things like that, we were always making friends. So uh, I was able to work, you know, hands-on at my father's church, but also uh, being a daughter work, we still had good connections with our mother church. And so uh, I was able to uh, do some some teaching, different things like that. When I was uh, the, the first time I preached at a, a youth rally, I was 15 uh, and was able to do, you know, really had some opportunities because of the mother church. They were just very good. Uh, and then I uh, went to college and during my time at college, I was an intern at Brother Foster's church and uh, got to work there and really worked predominantly with the youth there. And then after I graduated, uh, my number one ministry became college. So I've been more on the hyphen side of the, the overall youth ministry uh, platform, but 
that's, you know, kind of my experience. Awesome. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to kind of have people hear that, that story that, you know, you've been involved in um, a variety of church environments from church plants all the way up to, you know, being in churches where they could have an intern. And so, uh, and, and so you've been in a variety of church environments as well as this academic pursuit of, of studying the Bible. And so that's, that's, that's kind of giving you the perspective that, that you had. And so let's moving forward, kind of discussing some of the content you brought up, you brought up goal setting, um, and also how we should never skip leg days. I wrote that, yeah. I wrote that down. I'm like, <laughs> you need to study your Bible and never skip leg day. And, <laughs> and so, um, what would that, what does goal setting kind of look like? Um, maybe be simpler if, if you, if you showed us what your goal setting looked like or, yeah. and then kind of broke that down to go. So for a bivocational youth pastor, if he's, if he's looking at, you know, doing more than just checking the box on the U version app that he read yeah. his, you know, his verses for the day or her verses for the day, what would goal setting look like and, and kind of give us insight into yours. So, you know, like I said, you, you need to find ways to look at stuff from all different angles and things like that. And, uh, I, so I, I, actually graduated, went to school, uh, with DJ Hill. So we were, uh, we had the same schedule. We had the, we worked the same job. We lived with each other over the summers. We were just stuck with each other. Uh, but because of that, he is incredible at basketball, loves basketball. I'm horrible at it. Uh, but he has given me a lot of insight into the sports world. One of the things that I was fascinated about, uh, early on as friends is DJ will buy like a new pair of basketball shoes every year. Uh, and that's just what you do. You know, if you, yeah. if you play basketball regularly, you need new shoes. Can't just wear the same shoes for 10 years. Yeah, that I can't. Uh, yes. Who would, who yeah. would, would, yeah. Who, yeah. Of <laughs> who course. does that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he does this. And I remember, you know, it being fascinating to me that, you know, even if you just think about reading scripture, things like that, we have these apps and stuff, but there's so much that apps still can't do as far as resources, things like that. Um, and so I made it a personal goal. If I'm going to be as adamant about scripture and ministry as somebody is about sports, I'm going to have to update my, uh, my gear every year. And so a practical thing that I do is I buy a new Bible every year. And, and when I say a new Bible, I'm not just meaning a translation, but I will buy a a new type of Bible. So, uh, for example, this year I am reading through, I don't think it's in the room with me. I was going to look for it. Anyways, uh, I bought a study Bible that is specifically an archeology span study Bible. Okay. And so that is something that is a different perspective. Uh, and you have to, you know, some people buy a study Bible and they only read the study notes if they're writing a sermon, you know, like I just need a study Bible because I got to put a lesson together. And so I need yeah, to know yeah. the study notes, but by that as a way to equip yourself, actually just read through and start with, again, people love to grow and you'll realize how much value you can add. Start with a small book, just go through uh, Philemon, you know, just, just get a study Bible and make it a habit of reading Philemon and read all the study notes that go with it and realize how much depth that adds to just reading it. So I, I invest, that's very practical for me. I invest in a new type of Bible at least once a year. Uh, another goal that I have is I always want to consume more and more of the Bible. Uh, 
So I mentioned uh, that I listened to the Bible all in a week. Uh, and I listen faster than I read, actually. So listening to audiobooks, things like that. Uh, it's just how my head works. Uh, but since I did that, one of the things that I decided was my goal for this year is I was going to listen to the Bible five times. Okay, so I, I wanted to, to see how much, if I was just consuming the entire Bible as much as I could, and that was reasonable. And so actually what that comes out to is I listened to a book of the Bible a day. And so okay, cool. I just sit down and I turn it, it's fast. Again, you're not going to catch everything. But my goal is I'm going to consume an entire book of the Bible every day. And sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. You know, you get to Isaiah and you got to you know, <laughs> sit down, buckle in. You're going to be there for a little yeah, bit. Bring a snack, make sure yeah. you're insulin. Yeah, you're going you to be there a bit. Yeah. But those are, you know, just as, as normal devotion. Uh, and I also, you know, I encounter students that try to separate their, their devotional time from study time. I personally don't agree with that. I think that everything you do in technical and, and difficult study is informing and building your devotional life. You know, the more background information I know about scripture, the more technical information I know about scripture is going to inform my heart when I'm reading. I'm going to recognize, you know, I always mess with students and say, y'all always skip over the genealogies. You get to Matthew and you skip over the genealogy. You, you think it's boring. But if you know all of the background of the names and you know how Matthew tweaked some of the names and that that genealogy is actually both uh, a Davidic, uh, a kingly uh, genealogy and a prophetic genealogy. Okay, that that is so cool that he's he's woven the names together that he's telling you this is a priest king. That's what they've been waiting for, a prophet king. Yeah. You don't know that unless you have the background information. You don't know that unless you've done some technical deep study. And so don't separate the two. Actually study deep and let that, you know, rather than planning for a lesson, let lessons come out of your personal study in life. It can be hard to transition if you, if you currently just go lesson to lesson. You know, I got to study for this lesson. It can be hard to transition. But if you make the transition to where I study deeply on a regular basis, then lessons will be flowing out of you. You will be be ready to apply scripture. You will be ready to, to pick up a passage and you already know the background information. You have things that you've invested in yourself. You can pick up scripture and you can start teaching. So now I love I love what you said there. You know, you know, my dad, who is the single greatest influence on my preaching and study kind of ministry, his um his big thing was you speak from he always used the word to speak from the overflow. And, mm -hmm. and so I always struggle with that, separating the right. devotional from the study life because my dad never did that. And I have a very obsessive kind of personality. And so yeah. if I like something gets in my head, it's like, I can't go well today. I'm supposed to be reading Psalms and I've already fallen down the rabbit hole of Romans five. It's like, yeah. I can't, I can't do it. I just, there's no way that it will ever work. And so, um, I love that, you know, that especially for bivocational pastors that are listening right now, that your sermon prep time, um, or the time that you spend studying, you know, 
to communicate God's word and to understand God's word. It's all holistically part of it. Like you're spending time with God. And so, you know, just lean right into that. And as you do, you'll throw the switch, like like you said, Cullen, and soon you'll get to the place where, you know, you're not, you know, you're not, you know, lying on your basement floor the night before you service mm-hmm. screaming, God, give me a word. Yeah. Soon you're in this place where it's just starting to flow out of you and through you. And, and I think that's really good. What What are some good resources that will help a student pastor study or a student leader study the Bible? Uh, so I want to start this by saying you need to know yourself. Okay. Uh, your goal is to just go deeper and deeper, but don't start with something that's over your head. That can be detrimental because again, people like to learn, but if you feel like you're defeated and you're not learning anything, it gets annoying. And so one example I would give is sometimes people jump straight to commentaries, you know, like, Oh, I want to study scripture. So I'm going to go grab a commentary and uh, not all commentaries are created equal. Commentaries are written for specific Uh, goals and audiences. So sometimes, you know, I'll talk to a a person who's wanting a recommendation. They picked up a commentary that's specifically an exegetical commentary. So it's dealing with the original language. And they're like, I don't know Greek and Hebrew. That's all commentaries have in them. And it's like, well, actually there's different commentaries that will will focus on different things. But I would say if I was going to give a trajectory, start with study Bibles. That is going to be the, the, uh, best base level. Okay. So it's going to be technical information, but it's going to be at a consumable level after you feel like, okay, you know, these study Bibles, I, I need a little bit more. Um, I need a little bit more detail go from there to what are called surveys. So you can find these, you can search them on Amazon, things like that, but you can have like an old Testament survey, a new Testament survey. And it's literally just a book that's covering all of the new Testament, all the old Testament. They have those for the Testaments. They also have those for um, specific sections of books. So you can buy a survey that's on all the Gospels. You can buy a survey that's on the the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Um, So surveys would be after a study Bible. Next, after that, you have uh, specific uh, like handbooks. So the UPCI has a handbook. Those are fantastic. Yeah, so that that is a, a level that's a little bit deeper than uh, a a survey would do, but it's it's still not quite to a commentary level. And so when you get to a commentary level, that's that's kind of your last the end of the road is commentaries go verse by verse, and so they're very convenient because you can look up a specific scripture, you can go straight to a passage, look it up, but it sometimes is is an overwhelming amount of content that. You know, you read it and you're like, this is ridiculous. I just needed a simple answer. You know, you're going to find those in, in these other resources that I mentioned. Uh, one thing that I will say as, as a resource that I, I recommend to everybody, uh, they have different levels that you can, you can purchase, things like that. But I love uh, Logos. And it's not the only Bible software out there. There's others. Um, I, I believe Accordance is, is one that is similar. But Logos is a Bible software that you can put on your computer, you can put it on your phone, uh, but it's it's actually like a, a library. So you can buy eBooks, but they're all synced together. So I can go on my Logos app and I can start looking at uh, a passage of scripture and all on one page, I can see 
uh, language information. I can see uh, commentaries that are on it. I can see different, you know, dictionary articles, things that are written on it. And like I said, you can buy different uh, packages, but they even have like a free basic package. And it just has a bunch of resources already in it. And, and that is, uh, that tool is, has so much that I have not even been able, I've had it for, I think five years now, and I have not been able to, to even, uh, plunge the, the depths. I, I use it at a very surface level, but it's very convenient to do a, a study of a certain passage, things like that. Now, one of the things I do is to diversify my reading is I try to read in different, different translations. I, um, is that something that you do or recommend it? Uh, and if so, do, what are, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on, on maybe some, you know, good other translations to, to, to help with study? Uh, I, I highly recommend uh, multiple translations. And the reason for this is you have uh, uh, different opinions. Okay. So if, if you really want to read one translation, that's going to be the best for you is you need to learn Hebrew and Greek and you need to read the original languages. But even there, we have so many manuscripts, you're not going to get like one translation out of that. So you need to, you need to get to the point where you say, okay, these are translations and a translation is a translation. Yeah. Things are lost in translation. Anybody that speaks multiple languages ever has an interpreter, things like that, you know, that certain things are lost in translation. And so the reason it's good to read multiple translations is because it'll fill in those gaps that you may lose because they'll say it in a different way. So an example of, of different translations and values of them is you take something like the King James or the new King James version. They, their goal within that is to be word for word as much as possible. Okay. But even then there's some things that are, it's lost in translation. So Paul in Romans says, God forbid. Well, in Greek, God's not in that word and forbid is not in that word. Like it's nowhere close, but it is an express. They've given an expression that we would understand what the Greek means is God forbid, you know, that's, that's horrible. Absolutely not. Uh, but then you take something like the NIV and it is what's called a dynamic equivalent translation. And what they mean by that is it's, they're not sacrificing word for word, but they recognize that certain idioms, cultural context, things like that will be lost if you try to do word for word. And so their goal is to take what the, what each verse would mean and give a, a direct translation for that. So there's, those are really like your two camps of translations is you have a word for word or a dynamic equivalent. And so I, uh, I like, uh, if, if you've never read other translations, typically people read the KJV. If you're wanting to branch out, read a, you know, this is the first time you've read another translation, read the New King James. It's, it's close enough, but you will see differences and you'll realize, okay, they have different words. This is helping me understand stuff that maybe I didn't understand in the past. Uh, the NIV, uh, if you're going for a dynamic equivalent one, I like the NIV. Uh, but uh, I also, uh, something that I, I consider middle of the road is the ESV. I have really been enjoying the ESV uh, the last couple of years, uh, but they, they all have different values uh, and you need to read them in different ways. You know, I like to read poetry in KJV. 
you know, you, you can't get better than King James Version when you're reading Psalms. Absolutely not. The New Living uh, Translation, which yeah, I love. Like, I read that. I, I'll use the NLT quite a bit. Uh, we have a very, you know, you know, diverse congregation. And, and you know, for some, English is not just their second, but possibly yeah. their third language. And so we will refer to the NLT occasionally while we're, while we're preaching simply because when we're trying to communicate a core doctrinal concept, Sometimes it will just say it more plainly, and that really helps. But, you know, no one's reading the 23rd Psalm at a funeral yeah. from the NLT <laughs> yeah. or the Living Bible, that's for sure. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, that that's kind of how I look at it. Sometimes you find you're like, okay, there's a certain genre here that I like. I prefer a certain translation. But branch out. Try different things. Uh You'll, even if you're studying a specific passage, read that passage in at least four or five translations and you'll see, you'll see the problem areas. You'll see the, the part of the verse or the passage that the translators are trying to work through and, and trying to get there. That gives you your idea of, okay, what's the, what's the difficulty in this verse? You'll see that come out in the different ways they translate. Kind of shifting to youth ministry here for uh, a second. It really is unique within the life of the local church. Often, you know, apostolic youth ministries, they span a wide variety of ages, you know, 12 to 25, 12 to 30, um, unless they're in a very large church where they have the ability to have a student and a young adult pastor. Typically, it's, it's teenagers, sometimes even preteens, and uh, all the way up to young adult years. And, you know, there's such an emphasis on being attractional or building, you know, an attractional church or youth ministry model that um, this can kind of get lost in the shuffle of building the model of youth ministry. So can you make a case for why youth pastors need to be biblically literate and produce biblically literate students in an apostolic youth ministry model? Yes, this is, uh, this is something that I, I see often. And I'm glad for this opportunity to say something publicly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, it is so important as a youth pastor, you know, so here, here's the psychology behind it. Here's the, the, the part you should consider is if you only cater to youth, you have not equipped them to be adults. They're, they're going to transition one day, no matter how your church divides them, no matter where they draw the line, things like that they're going to transition one day to the larger church body and you have to prepare them for that transition. If they leave the youth group and they get to the, the larger church and in the youth group, they were just eating pizza and then they get to the larger church and they're studying scripture, they're going to be overwhelmed and they're going to think this is, I, I don't want to be here. If you, if you motivate them simply towards fun and this is a, a cultural thing that the whole world is dealing with, not just the church, but we have this obsession with youthfulness. We have this obsession with, with, I am going to be young forever and we should push adolescence further and further away. We should have more fun as long as you can, you know, midlife crisis, everybody become a teenager again. Uh, we were consumed with let's live for fun, but we all know uh, life is is mushy and it gets messy. You have to prepare them. You know, that would be my push is you have as a youth worker, you have the responsibility to prepare them for that transition. That should be what you're working towards. 
Now, why I want to say something publicly is because I am typically at one of those transition points. I am a college professor at an apostolic Bible college, and uh, I have students uh, that that they have been in church their entire life. And one of the things that I do in my New Testament course, if you take New Testament with me, you have to learn, you have to memorize the 12 disciples. You have to know the names of all of the books of the New Testament. You have to know uh, who wrote the different books of the New Testament. They don't know these things. And actually, because of our apps, our technology, things like that, they don't know where those books are located. If you tell somebody that Matthew's in the Old Testament, chances are today they're going to be like, okay, cool. And they're going to spend an hour looking through their Old Testament trying to find Matthew. But it's because we, we haven't, we've gone away from a physical Bible, but also if we don't teach, if we're not doing basic things of saying, okay, guys, you know, pop quiz today in youth, you know, we're going to talk about the 12 disciples. We're going to, we're going to actually learn about all of them. Do, you know, do a lesson series on the 12 disciples. People are intelligent. You know, you don't have to do a special series on say, like the psychology of certain individuals. If you teach a biblical view of all those individuals, the people that need to relate to those things are going to, they're going to, to hear the word of God. And they're going to say, you know what? That disciple is me. That that's actually what I've been struggling with. You don't have to write a certain series, but that builds you to, to biblical literacy as you're preparing them. I know the Bible and that's going to prepare them to, to have the confidence to make disciples themselves. If they don't feel like they know just the basics of the Bible, then they're not going to feel confident to go to somebody in their school or go to somebody that they work with and say, Hey, let's talk about the Bible. Let's, let's, you know, let me share my faith. If they're not confident in it, they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to share their faith. They need us to to be pouring in them. And when I say they need us, this is my last plug. I own my role as a teacher. I tell them all the time, I hope all of y'all get through this semester and y'all just think I'm a jerk. I hope y'all get done with this, you know, this class and you think, wow, he just really is a slave driver. He pushed us. He did these things because at the end of the day, if, if they curse my name for the rest of their life, but they learn the Bible, I'm fine with that. I would rather in the time that I have with them, I'm going to invest in them eternally. And actually, again, people love to grow. People love to learn. And so most of the time when you do those hard pushes, you do those things. After they get started, they'll come back to you and they say, you know, I, I actually love learning the Bible. I'm, I'm actually enjoying this. Thank you for making me do this. So that's my, my plug. That, that's an amazing answer. I want to drill down just a little bit more on it um, and, you know, maybe uh, equivocate the pushback that you could you could get to your answer yep. just a little bit and, and say, you know, you may have somebody who's listening that's like, you know, I like this, I love this, this is great, all about the Bible. But, look, I'm just trying to keep them in church. I'm just trying to keep them from, you know, fornication and not looking at porn and drugs and dealing with the LGBTQIA plus issues that abound in the culture. You know, of all, there's so many hot button issues that are facing, that are pressure points on youth ministry right now that, you know, you may have a youth pastor halfway with you and say, okay, yes, I need to have them biblically literate on the pressing issues of their day 
And there can be a little bit of a temptation and maybe a student pastor listening to stay locked into a few areas of study and like felt needs or, you know, things like hurt, pain, bullying, depression, anxiety, which mental health issues are abounding. Help them get across the finish line that it matters that their students know that there are minor profits and, you know, what is in those books is actually important for a, you know, a young adult to, to know, help them, help them go across the finish line and say, okay, forget the hot button issues. The whole council of God yeah. needs to be present with inside of my youth ministry. Yeah. So I'm from the side that you always look for the both and don't, don't sacrifice. And so one thing I would say is get, get some perspective. And so what I mean by that is, you know, you talk about fornication, pornography, uh, even mental health, bullying, you could take any topic and say, I have to talk about this because it's youth. And my question would be, are you saying that 40 year olds don't struggle with that? Mm. Are you saying that, you know, a new convert that is 35 doesn't need to also have a lesson on that? And how does the church take care of, of those? And so actually all of us, as we're going through life in discipleship, we will encounter all those things. And some of us will encounter it at different ages. And what we can count on is the Bible actually answers those things. Uh, And the Bible, what is so cool about it is the Bible actually answers those things prophetically is you can, you can either try to pick a, a, a hot topic and go find scripture for it. You know, so we take our questions in modern times we, and we ask the Bible our questions. Or you can start with the Bible and let the Bible tell you what questions to ask. The Bible will tell you what are the things in culture you need to work on? What are the things that you need to be prepared for spiritually? And so if you start with a focus on scripture, it'll actually satisfy those answers because all of us need it. The Lord needs to because the problem is sin. You know, you, you talk about fornication again. The thing that needs to be addressed is sin. And so you, you can address that at every age. And so that's where I would say, uh, you know, two, two final things would be one, I'm a firm believer. I think I invented this term. I haven't come across anybody else that has said it, but I am a firm believer in what is what I call uh, generational cross pollination. And so what I think is, is a detriment to us is that we make our, our churches in, in age categories, but the older saint or the person who's gone through these different struggles and things like that, all in their different periods of life, they all influence each other. And you need to have events, strategies, and Bible studies where they are able to cross-pollinate. But also don't feel like doing that sacrifices something. Don't feel like studying scripture sacrifices your topics because, so back to what I said earlier about knowing what every book is, is about the a general idea. Um, I'll give, you know, two, you have Mark is mainly, excuse me, Mark is, uh, is about suffering and Matthew is really about hypocrites. Uh, those two, rather than trying to write a message. So if the Lord is, is leading you that you need to preach a message on hypocrites, rather than trying to go through all of scripture, trying to find these things, you know, you could just sit back and say, you know, I know Matthew's about hypocrites. Let's just, let's pull out Matthew and get going. You can do that with psychology. You can do that with with current trends, uh, hot button issues. If you know the Bible, you're going to be able to 
to pull out the things that are needed at the time. This has been so good. Do you have time for two more questions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Cool. I, I mean, um, as a college professor teaching young adults that have exited a local youth ministry, um, you know, you're you're kind of like you said, you're in this transition point. So having been in this position for a few years, I want you to kind of speak to all of the student pastors, uh, youth pastors that are listening right now. What are the greatest kind of spiritual needs um, that you are seeing enter into a college environment that they have the ability and power right now to make a profound difference and to address and meet those needs with a with a Bible focused uh, youth ministry. Uh, I would say it's a and this is again a reason for for investing into your own Bible study so that you can invest it into your youth ministry is a, a big area that's lacking is their confidence in their callings. Okay. We can say it, we can preach it. We know, you know, you talk to, to a young person today, they are so passionate about the things of God. But when you ask them about what they are doing or what they feel called to do, things like that, they are Really, you know, one of the things I struggle is I try to tell students, you know, pray and talk to the Lord about your calling. Talk to the Lord about what purpose he has for you. And really, that's a scary thing because it's a supernatural thing. You know, you're asking somebody to step out into a, a unknown life. What's it going to look like? How, how am I going to be led by the Lord? All of the things that we do as spirit-led believers that we're going to be doing, you know, I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And they're going to recover. Well, they only know that. They only have the confidence in that if they know scripture that backs it up. Scripture is what gives us that confidence. Scripture is what gives us that ability to preach and even to understand ourselves uh, with with faith and knowing, okay, I read this story and I, I see what God is doing throughout scripture. And I know that he's going to be doing things in me, but they're so unsure. They're so uncertain. Of their, of their knowledge of, of the Bible, of their faith, when they get to college and they need to start making moves, they, they're needing affirmation and in, in stepping out and doing big things. They're, they're so insecure that it holds them back really a couple of years. You know, I'm, I am trying to push them and encourage them in that, you know, you can do this. You, you can have that confidence. And really the thing they're lacking is a, a confidence in their knowledge of the Bible. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been outstanding. I know I have I've left challenged to study deeper and to uh, study more, and I know that all of our listeners have as well. So thank you so much for being on the show today. We always end every guest interview with this last question, and that is every person youth ministry, bro. Uh, whether you work at an apostolic college with young adults or you've been involved in a church plant and it was just you and your sister as the youth group all the way through, bro, youth ministry, it it's just crazy. Like there's so many random things that can happen. Uh, and so anybody that's involved in youth ministry has at least one crazy story, one I can't believe this is happening to me story. Uh, what's yours, man? Do you have one? I have one. Uh, 
<laughs> and uh, this is just a warning to everybody. It's gross, but that is <laughs> that is why it's it's the, the crazy thing. Uh, I was 19 and I it was the first year that I ever worked at a youth camp. And uh, I was just I already, I already love where this is going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was supposed to be, you know, just like the assistant dorm supervisor because I was I was only 19. And so I, I actually walked next door because it was like an overflow dorm that uh, some guys from my church were in. So I went over to see him and I walk in and, and somebody's got a guitar. So I start, you know, uh, playing the guitar, singing the songs and making up lyrics, you know, teasing with all of these boys, you know, just talking trash, saying stuff, you know, good youth type things. Uh and my cousin, actually, I'm from Texas. My cousin was attending TBC at the time. So he was in town. He came to see me. So both of us are in this dorm. And then the president of the, the or not the, the principal of the camp walks in. And apparently the supervisors of that building both just started vomiting and became super sick and had to leave the campgrounds. And so he just walks in and he sees the two of us in there with these kids and he says okay y'all are in charge and so he puts us in charge this is like 15 to 18 year olds and i'm 19 yeah uh, he puts us in charge but these kids uh by the end of the week i think we had nine students that made it because whatever those original dorm supervisors had started spreading like the plague <laughs> just through. ripped yes just, just ripped just went through and so you're dealing with all these teenage boys that don't care about their hygiene and you're trying to tell them you're know, like guys you've got to clean stuff y'all don't need to be sharing you know all, all of these germs and stuff try and then the other thing was they would all just start throwing up and we were like <laughs> we we're like guys we had we had so many talks at the end of the every night we're like guys please get to the bathroom run outside anything you know like just you just cannot get, puke in here you just yeah, can't just get somewhere so we had cleaned so much stuff so probably the the highlight the craziest part of it is we had dealt with so much vomiting throughout the week <laughs> that we had become experts that I was walking through. So, it, you know, you have two rows of bunk beds down this yes. hallway. You've got a bathroom down at the back corner. My cousin is sitting at the back corner and there's a, a, a big drum trash can there at the bathroom door. I'm walking down the hall and I'm like halfway down the hall <laughs> and I see this kid. He's on the top bunk and you can just see on his face like it's about to come out. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the top bucket. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like just screaming. And then I yell at him like, Jonathan, Jonathan. And he grabs the trash can. He's, he, you know, this is halfway down the hall. He grabs the trash can and slides it all the way down <laughs> right to me. And I put it right in front of this kid and it goes in the trash can. And all of us just start cheering. It was like the, <laughs> the best score, the best thing you could ever think of is like, okay, we have developed a skill. We can know when somebody's about to throw up. And we can pass trash cans across an entire building to make sure that we don't have to clean up something anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Youth ministry is one of the most rewarding experiences working at camps, um, you know, working in the local church. But there are definitely there are definitely some times you're like, I really 
Like when I was crying hot tears at an altar saying, you know, in like a warbled half cry, half singing voice, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Because I'm like, I was born in the 80s, um, you know, just like, you know, on my knees, just my hands spread out weeping. I never thought there would be so much vomit involved in that call. But it turns out when you're involved in youth ministry, there's also puke. So yeah. listen, man, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so very much uh, for for being on the show today. You've helped a lot and you've inspired a lot of youth workers and youth pastors. Thank you so much for your time. It's definitely, it's been good. <laughs>